Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Lunar Crush Live. Today, we've got a really fun one. We've got uh, Utsav Jace Wall, uh, VP of BizDev and Blockchain Editor at Hacker Noon coming in. Um, so normally, we got a lot of projects, cryptos. Today, we're going to be talking about news and editorial and media. Are you excited, John? Always. When we're am always, I not excited? We're always really excited, as like we like to say. Um, just a disclaimer, as we always do, um, we do not take payment for our live stream. We bring on cool, fun people um, and learn what they're working on in the crypto space and the blockchain space. Uh, make sure if you want to ask some questions in the chat, we'll try to get to those um, and uh, ask those to uh, make a point of slamming that subscribe button, it says, to the YouTube channel to access future live streams. So slam that subscribe button. Um, and with that, Utsev, what's up, my man? Hello, guys. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for being here, man. Appreciate that. I know uh, where where in the world are you? I know it's late there. Tell us where you're at. What's it like there outside of the uh, the, the brick wall and that looks like some sort of iMac plug-in behind you? <laughs> right. So I am like based out of India. And like this is my uh, place where I was born and brought up. And like, yeah, that's about it. That's the place where I'm. And another like 1.2 billion people. <laughs> Just you and a, and a billion people. Yeah. Love it. Um, so I have a dad joke, or at least John says it's a dad joke in here. Um, why why Hacker Noon, the name Hacker Noon and not Hacker Midnight? Oh, it's so easy. Like the goal, like when David like founded this organization, he was like, I want to get the word from what is it that hackers do when they wake up? And what is the time when you wake up? Is it midnight or is it noon? What I love is that. It so, yeah, they're, they're up all night and then they're waking up at noon. Exactly. So it's like, what do they do when they wake up? Exactly. <laughs> Does that include uh, shadowy super hackers? It includes shadowy super hackers. And the way that we work around it is, it's always noon somewhere. So let's say that you get up at 11 a.m. It's known like one hour away from me, right? So it's always known something. We were we were actually talking about this before you got on, John. Um, but do you know how many time zones there are in the world? I mean, I think my brain wants to say 24, but <laughs> that's not true. I know that there's some zones that actually are on the half hour. Yeah, I guess, uh, I guess 40. <laughs> 40. Uh, I'm going to go 26. Uh, very close. <laughs> Are there only 20? No, 30. Oh, because, 30, 30. oh 30, 30, 30, 30. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. That makes about that makes sense. That seems really weird, right? 24 hours in a day, but 30 time zones. So, I yeah. mean, what could go wrong, right? <laughs> what could go wrong over time, right? Well, um, so Utsav, tell us, um, you know, so what is the mission at Hacker Noon? And like, you know, like when you guys all get together and you're sourcing stories and you're doing all this, like what do you guys go out with to like, get people excited? How do you kind of get that rallying cry, like the, the team together? Like, what is the mission over there? Gotcha. Like, so glad that you asked, because the mission that Hackanoon has, it like permeates across different areas. So there is this social media aspect of things which basically says power to the community and power to the people. There are no like gatekeepers as such. So anything goes. There is that aspect of things. And then there is this aspect which that says, hey, I'll only go with very high quality journalism. I want people to cross the T's and dot the I's and then get at least five different sources 
before like somebody gets online let's call them the wall street journals of the world right so hackathon startles the world somewhere between that so we try to get the both so we try to get the both of both uh, the best of both worlds i'm so sorry so how that works is that we allow anybody on the like with an account to publish a story and anybody can set up an account so just like go to hackathon.com click the sign up button and you can now submit a story now before a story gets published there is a, a second pair of eyes as david likes to uh, call it that needs to go over that story review it in terms of readability review it in terms of like feedback and, or like what needs to get fixed once those things are like put into the story we uh, ship it out the door and that's how the system works with us at times there will be multiple editors going over a single story because there is no like singular way because we live in such a world where there is no such thing as the only truth right so there are like multiple truths and when we talk about emerging technologies such as cryptocurrencies blockchain ai machine learning like the road never ends what might be true today is not true anymore let's talk about ethereum a couple of years ago everybody was saying hey so these are does more like what do i say transactions than you per second how do you fix that and then you hear stuff about like sharding or roll ups or what not which were not at least in vogue like maybe they were in vitalik's head somewhere like back when he was like thinking about those things but at that time like maybe someone would have said hey so scalability is actually an issue on ethereum today people tend to at least take that with uh, with uh sprinkling of salt they wouldn't take it as the gospel truth if you know what i mean so that's how the uh, system works at hackathon we try to like make sure that uh the information is correct to the best of our knowledge we make sure that we make the headline uh in such a manner that the story like drives more views but that does not mean that we go for that clickbait content it's more about fixing the headline getting the actual uh part of the headline towards the beginning of the headline and so on and so forth so that's like the gist of how stuff works at hackathon and we are uh i guess the only place on the internet where you can uh publish your stories about like every emerging technology out there as well as the ones that are already existing or like have a, have existed for a very long time so you'll see stuff about hardware roms asics or what not like although asics are very new but you will like Here's stuff about hardware as well as like cutting edge software. It straddles the the like entire spectrum, if I may. I, I'm so curious on on who your user is. Like, I know you've probably done so much work on identifying who they are and where they are, but you know, I, obviously, there's people interested in the topics that are on Hacker Noon all over the world. But are there any sort of trends that you see um, with certain types of individuals? That, you know, age groups, gender. What do they do during for for a job? Uh, like, what what kinds of interests do they have? Like, would love to know more. Right. So I get this question from the sponsors a lot. And, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. The first two like are very self self explanatory. Like, sadly though, that the gender is like highly skewed uh, skewed towards a male side of things. Although Hakanun is primarily female, my chief operating officer female, mm. the managing managing editor female, the podcast host female, the editors like three of them female. But mm. 
get like the audience that hackathon has is like the what you see in the general like stem side of things so hopefully we we would be like helpful in changing some of that and if i talk about the age like again obviously it's very heavily skewered towards the 25 uh, 26 to 49 like year old age group yep. although we have about 1% of people who identify or at least are identified as google analytics as being over 65% uh, over 65 years of age so about like 1% of hackathon is truly what you would call boomers wow only 1% <laughs> That's big, right? That's big when you like look at a volume. We get about like four to five million people reading Hackathon every month, right? That's the average. So one percent of that is pretty huge. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's it, like you said, it's like that. You said STEM, hmm. and it's it's a younger generation. I think that's interested in in how things are changing very quickly, and that's just the demographic. And, and that's good to hear that. Um, you know, because we see in the crypto space, it's it's used very male and it's used young, mm -hmm. like 18 to 34, um, which puts John and I both well out of that range. Um, so it's, you know, it's just <laughs> interesting to see, you know, that that's that's that range. But that's also the range that's living online and they're living through those stories. I mm -hmm. I found it interesting, your your take on um, headlines and, and adjusting those headlines. And, and how do you guys think about that? Because as someone that's out there you know, we're disseminating data all day that's coming in. And, you know, we're looking at like what the trending headlines are across crypto at least. And it, it almost like it, it like gets you angry if you see a headline, you know, or just like, it's just like annoying to see a headline that is so adversely like skewed or just, you can tell it's clickbaity. And it's like, I just will, it's like, I, I read it really quickly if it's from like a decent publication, but I'm just like, happens a lot around Bitcoin, like Bitcoin's like stuff that's so like obtuse. It's like Bitcoin's <laughs> killing the planet or something, yeah. you know, and right. it's just like, it, and then it goes down and yeah, maybe it's a decent article or something, but it's like, you know, so how do you guys think about those? Cause like inherently you're probably sacrificing clicks, but you're doing the right thing, right? Like, how do you make, like, how do you think about that? Right. So this is something that I'm very passionate about and I don't know whether people know about this or not. So I trained as a dentist. I had nothing to do with technology, right? In college was the time when like Bitcoin first came out. I got seduced by it. I was like, okay, I can clean teeth. I can clean teeth later, but let me go and find <laughs> some Bitcoin, right? And then I never like went back to like that. I came on to like blockchain. So now when I wanted to learn more about stuff, when Ethereum had just like come out 2015, if I'm not wrong, 2016 was when Hackathon had been founded. So from 2017 to 2019, at least, I was more of a Hackathon reader and I wasn't a part of the team, right? So I credit pretty much like 90% of what I know about Hackathon about blockchain and cryptocurrencies to hack on you. Some of the best articles, some of the best people. Like for example, if you wanna learn about blockchain, the first thing that every crypto company out there who teaches their like uh, people is the story called, what the fuck is blockchain? WTF <laughs> is blockchain. It's by this very nice writer who lives like very close to me, to be very honest, I did not know that back in the day but that is like how people learned about blockchain that was also me 
So when I like joined Hacking, when I started to like work for these guys, even my goal was that the information like has to be something that adds value to a reader, right? I have been on both sides of the fence, like trying to get people to publish my pieces, as well as like on this side of fence, like saying, hey, so that's that story is really that cannot get published, right? So I have seen like both sides and my take on this is that maybe that if a story adds value to the reader, and I think of myself as just one of the readers, if it adds value to the readers, then I might be able to give it some of some of a leeway in terms of like letting some promotional content be there at the bottom, because that is the trade-off that I want to have in terms of the story getting published. Now about the headline. When an editor at Hackenoon uh, reads a story, they spend about 10 to 15 minutes going through the entire story, trying to fix it or whatnot. So that gives them like at the very minimum, a very good understanding of what the story is about. And then they take the uh, decision to change it. Sometimes they don't, sometimes they do. Most of the times when we do that is when the change is very obvious. Like for example, somebody would say, the most expensive five hotels in or like whatever let's not say hotels but like let's use the example the most five used programming languages in 2021 or whatever like it becomes a very easy thing to change right you know that you move that you move the number to the left that is how google works but if there is a case where it is not quite apparent or if it changes the meaning of the story either the headline is left as it is or we ask the author of the story whether they would be willing to change the headline that they had proposed and they give them a few examples uh, even after all of that there are people in the world some of them like the headlines that we give them i get a lot of dms saying hey thank you for like editing my headline really added value to my story but there is also a lot of hate mail that who do you think you are changing my headline? <laughs> and I completely empathize with that group because I am one of those people. If somebody changes even a small comma in my story, I find <laughs> I take I take umbrage at the fact. Like, okay, I removed that comma on purpose or I headlined it as such. So over the years, there has come an equilibrium of sorts where some of the older authors when they know that their headline might get changed and if they want it, then they would DM me like beforehand or they would DM the other editors like beforehand saying, hey, so if you want to change the headline, go for it. Or if they don't, they would just say, hey, my headline is perfect, do not change it. And they <laughs> accept their wishes because at the end of the day, it is their story, it's not us. So someone will get out ahead of it and they'll DM you and be like, hey, Utsav, I'm really passionate about this headline, man. Can you just please leave it? And then a lot of times you'll say that's fine. Exactly. Gotcha. Uh, I've got so many questions for you. I don't know where to start, but I, I will say like, so so one of the things, um, well, I guess let me ask you the first question here. Like, what do you feel the, the role is um, of crypto specific media versus mainstream media? And and we we see it's it's interesting because we collect we we may collect more news than anyone um, just based on how we collect news, um, but we, we're starting to see more mainstream media get deeper into crypto, and I guess I'm I'm curious what's your what's your perspective on some of the crypto specific news sites versus say 
I don't know, Newsweek, or maybe you could even throw CNBC in that category. I mean, how do you look at the difference? Right. So again, I'll speak from experience, right? So Hackathon is neither a mainstream media, but the crypto-specific media treats us as a mainstream media because we talk about the Python and JavaScript of the world. The mainstream media treats us as a crypto-specific media just because a third of our audience or even more uh, reads about cryptocurrencies and blockchain, right? So at that like junction where we sit, I very wholeheartedly believe that both of these like sites get so many things wrong and I don't like envy their job because it's very hard to get stuff right. The mainstream media like talk to them about anything except the price of Bitcoin going up or down because that is practically an empirical truth. The price is the price. Although I shouldn't call it empirical because even the price of Bitcoin is different on different discovery mechanisms, right? right? So yeah, sorry for that faux pas. the mainstream media gets everything else wrong. The crypto-specific media thinks that the Bitcoin adoption is just round the corner. You would have it by tomorrow and so on. The thing is that people like us, like you and I, we are so deep down the rabbit hole that we believe, of course, it should be adopted. Why not? But try asking your parents, like, why don't they use Bitcoin? Try asking your family friends who don't like use Bitcoin. And that is why you tend to understand why what the mainstream media says about Bitcoin, even in their like, let's say, a very disparaging narrative, they still are speaking not to us, but to those who are not in this like rabbit hole to say. So then let's get let's get more specific. So two other questions, but so then where does Hacker Noon fit in? to the crypto specific media part of this. Um, what, what do you see the difference in Hacker Noon playing versus some of the more mainstream crypto news sites out there? Oh, that's very easy. That's very okay. easy, right? So basically every other like crypto media, what they do is they have a walled garden, right? I can make like, I can name names, but there are so few that like everybody knows the names. So they have a system of journalists. Some people can to like get their way in some people like can get in just because they had a good profile on on ico bench like if people remember ico bench i don't know but like that is how you get into those and now these people become the protectors of that vault garden so these become the arbiters of the truth these people become the harbingers of the knowledge on the facts on let's say the tether case which is currently going on in at the district attorney's court of New York, right? SDNY, like Southern District, like if I'm not wrong. So these people become the arbiters. So whatever comes out, whatever filters out is just their own biases or their own analyses or their own, let's say, interpretations. On Hakanoon, anybody can write. So now if you are a lawyer and you talk about like, okay, so these are the legal like aspects or ramifications of what happens. You can write one. You don't have to wait at the ball gardens door. On Hakanoon, like if you are a representative of some like company or whatnot, you could speak directly. You just need to disclose your vested interest. Like that is something that Hakanoon does not budge on. It's like, hey, if you want to write a story, if it's promotional, we can look at it, but it needs to disclose your vested interest. Like that is rule number one. 
And if you can do that, it's fine. So that's how we differentiate ourselves just by making sure that it is the specialists, it is the people who are actually like, let's say, like to borrow a word from the corporate world, the subject matter experts. If these are the guys who submit stories, like will that not add more value to what everybody else is like writing? I love how you have to, you have to caveat the borrow from corporate world because we do that all the time. We're like, no, we, this is a great descriptor, but we're not with them. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember how you started this podcast. It was like, hey, it's free. And if somebody out there and somebody is pitching you that I can get you on this podcast for a fee, please do not listen to them. The yes, exactly. Right? We're, we're hit with that. We're hit with that every day and we have never paid a penny. Right. And, and it's, but it's, but there are thousands of people out there saying, I can get you on this major site. I'll write an article on you. All you got to do is pay me X. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's constant. It's constant. It's constant. It never ends. Yeah. I have people DMing us saying, Hey, so your writer charged me X and Y amount of money. I never <laughs> wrote a story. So could you kindly refund that money to us? And we can own only empathize at that point and say, hey, so here is how you can publish your story on Hackanoon. Click on the sign up button, set up your account and submit your story. And you paid $1,500 for that. Right. So I don't yeah. know, like, I don't want to like bash the people who paid that money. But like, that's, I get like caveat emptor, like comes into play, right? Buyer beware. There's an element of people just can't, a lot of people are not good writers. And so I get hiring a writer, that makes sense. But I think it's the context in which these writers are approaching companies. They're not trying to help them, they're trying to make money. And so, uh, and and part of that's fine. Part of that's fine, everyone needs to get paid. But but I, I do think it's just that the context of it is a little bit strange in crypto. There's just so much of it. Um, I, I do want to throw out a, a few numbers because uh, it's something and I'm not going to say which media sites these are for. Um, but, you know, over the last year, um, a couple of the more major crypto news sites out there um, covered 154 coins and 123 coins, respectively, of which roughly 70% of their news articles were about Bitcoin and 15% were about Ethereum. Now, if we look at that on a daily basis, like today, there's almost 9,000 actively traded coins in the market today. Mm -hmm. So your, your most major news sites, again, covered 154 and 123 coins respectively over the last year. Mm -hmm. So, so given the that- The majority of them were just the top two. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Like there's, there's uh, 15, less than 15%. And we're, I didn't even get into Dogecoin, which is probably another three to 4% of that. Right. But like, <laughs> but like, I mean, given those numbers, we're talking about roughly call it 10%. If that is left for almost 9,000 coins, the news out there. And, and we've, we, we pay a lot of attention to this. Like there are some coins that the, the crypto news and even mainstream news only cover when they get hacked. Not when they do anything good, but when something bad happens. And so I'd, I'd be curious, just, you know, do we have centralized crypto news that needs to become much more decentralized? Is that what you're getting at? Great question. I wouldn't even like go down that route. Like some of it is on these crypto coins themselves. How many crypto coins do you know that they call themselves the next Bitcoin? <laughs> just by doing that, they are promoting Bitcoin. 
every time when they have to explain to their friends so like what do you do oh i built something like bitcoin like ethereum so there is that one example like side of things where it is that copycat mentality that happens second on these mainstream crypto websites it is not the subject matter experts who write about this these are journalists journalists are supposed to cover stuff and make it easily palatable for the wider audience what word has the wider audience heard more is it like bitcoin or is it torchain they hear about torchain only when it right. gets hacked or only when the problem happens but when everything is hunky dory the only coin rising is bitcoin or as these days you would say dogecoin now moving to the other side of the argument that you brought up was is it like just on the crypto media or is it just on the people i'd like to quote like nicholas nasen talib who like the bitcoin community hates these days because he is not a bitcoin believer but in his book the black swan what he said was that when the industry or the ecosystem is so nascent the rewards are exponentially high the rules for the the rules are actually winner takes all bitcoin is the winner when it was here in 2009 8 9 10 like however old you want to like call it who else was there who else was there building it so because they took those risks they like get those maximum rewards out of it the other coins came out in 2017 right so they have to like fill in that gap first before they can get that do they have the number of developers that bitcoin has behind it is their code as open although like arguments can be made whether bitcoin is as open or not but i don't want to like get into that but what i want to say is that there is a road that you need to travel there are the steps on the ladder that you need to climb they expect too much too fast the smaller coins that it rubs off badly on all of us everywhere which is why whenever i i use the word shitcoin like nobody else blinks an eye we know what we are talking about Is that a do you think that's a problem though? I mean, I think it's like, you know, I got I have a question in here about, you know, how has the landscape of writing changed, right? Since, you know, 2010, you know, and Hacker Noon 2012 when it, you guys kind of started till now, but it it's like as the the stories start to fill in from these other projects and we realize that most of these things that are launched now, you know, outside of kind of the the smart contract like layers are companies right and these are people behind that that are trying to build something on this kind of new business model landscape it's like you know i almost just it's like you see, it's like i'm just surprised that people like techcrunch like completely ignore like all of these like defi i mean cuz it's like these are just companies and they're the new tech companies and so it's like you have like old vc land you know and these like old models and then you have these kind of new models and it's like well if i'm 25 years old and i'm about to start my first startup like am i just going to go raise a bunch of equity and give away 35% of my company or am i going to try this other thing that seems to be faster bigger stronger like into the future so it's like how to how do we change that narrative from like shitcoin to just like startup again uh, well, let me start with this question like it's a huge question is, <laughs> right, like that's what i'm saying like i want to start with this like how, what is the percentage in your own opinion i wouldn't even say 
give me an an informed opinion just give me your gut based opinion okay on this what is the amount of cryptocurrencies out there out of those 20000 erc20 tokens that you see on like etherscan how many of them do you do you think are scams and is that number over 50% over 50 over 50 i would say no but i would say that just like startups in 95 to 99% of them fail 95 to 95 95 to 99% of these coins will fail and there will be most of the projects that exist today will not exist into the future but there will be many many more projects in the future than exist today failure is okay that's why i use the word scam like against right. my better judgment is the word that i chose to use is that like if i speak to somebody apart from those who are in this business that number might be as high as 90% it's not their fault it's not the tokens fault it's maybe the media like we gravitate towards what has been lost like let's say chain swap got hacked 8 million people like went away with it on the same weekend any swap also got like any swap also got hacked 6 million gone the week before the bsc like projects were getting hacked left right and center how does that work out like that is the news that people are picking up on so yeah. when that number in that person's head or at least that private equity person's head who built his money the old fashioned way and stuff like that he doesn't know about making millions in 20 minutes or 30 minutes he is going to be very conscious or rather cautious Yeah, I think that's a good point. I I do think that like a traditional VC when they invest in a startup, they know that, you know, there's a 93% chance that that money is just going to zero, but there as long as that company that they invested in gives the best, you know, gives a college try, gives the best effort that they can exactly. to try and make it successful, it's, you know, it it doesn't matter what necessarily like these are young people that might not have as much coaching like as a traditional VC would give them around budgeting and what to spend money on and hiring and all these things so the probability of failure goes up but i would be interested to know and it's like i don't know if we can ever even get this data of all of those projects like the word scam cannot be used for someone that tried really hard the word mm. scam could be used for right. marketing wallet dump right <laughs> like rug right. pull exactly. for sure like that but it's like it would be interesting to know how many of these things cuz i mean I, there's still projects that i put money into and like 2017 and i don't even god knows where that wallet is and like where it is or whatever but it's like hey. but i i still follow the project and i'm like dang these people are still building you yeah. know and this is like now 3 or 4 years later 3 and a half years later and they're still trying and they've got a little bit of money left i'm like that's not a scam but some people are like oh yeah i bought that that went to zero that's a scam it's like no they're literally still building yeah, that isn't a scam Right. If they are still building, it isn't a scam. Like I still like remember I bought Stellar. Like <laughs> so, yeah. These people are not scams. It's an interest. Yeah. I love this conversation. I, I'm I'm thinking, Joe. Like we went we went to TechStars and we we got into TechStars and hundreds to thousands of companies did not get into TechStars. And can you imagine uh, of the ten that got in that when we went? If if any of them just wasn't making money, can you imagine if the mentors are walking around going, "Oh, you're a scam because you're not making money. Oh, you're <laughs> yeah. a scam. You're yeah. a scam. You have not enough users. You're a scam, and also you're a scam because you're not making a million dollars a month yet." Yes. Like like that's but that's crypto right now. Like that's yeah. what's actually kind of yeah. crazy. 
Yeah. It's amazing. I, that's what I just want to do is like delineate like innovation and like people that are trying versus like rug pulling. Cause yes, like I don't necessarily know if, you know, all of the BSE tokens that are coming out that have, you know, decimal points to the, you know, quadrillionth are like going to change the world. But like <laughs> how many of those are actually trying really hard to build something and maybe this different model of like what's happening with Doge, it's like if Doge has billions of dollars under management of some sort and they can turn that into something different and new and innovate on it, is that a scam or is that like, what if Doge all of a sudden just all of the developers pivoted and now they're just like solving like some sort of climate crisis? Is everyone going to be like, well, shit, you know, it's like you just don't know until someone until it's over, I guess. I don't know. It's it's a it's a weird dynamic. So does Doge have like developers? I heard this somewhere here or there, like Elon said that spoke to Doge developers and the Bitcoiners was like, Doge hasn't had any developers since 2017. So what are you smoking? So I don't know how that goes. <laughs> I mean, I could say, I could say maybe there's people that have made a lot of money on it and now they've created something new. Um, and they, like, I'm sure someone could, I'm sure there's a 18 year old year old out there that can start a VC fund that's bigger than most of the VC funds in the country based on what they've made off Doge and can start to innovate. So it's like, is that a bad thing? Or is someone else just pissed that that's it's not them? Thing. It's a very good thing. Like see, the difference between a startup and a crypto project comes out most of the involvement of money. If there was no like money or rather like, let's say, the community's money involved, if there was no like concept of a token or whatnot, maybe the questions of scams would be a bit different. Think of how many friendships have been ruined just because somebody borrowed a hundred dollar from a friend, but did not return it back, right? It leaves a bad feeling. Now remove that hundred million, replace that with 10 million or a hundred million. And these are like what you would call projected incomes. And that like, sours like that's how humans work i guess like it sours emotions as soon as you bring money into the mix there are so many like i don't know whether you follow this guy called coffee zilla on like youtube or whatnot he did this huge expose on this thing called the save the token thing and it had pretty much the people from the face clan in there i don't know who face clan is because i'm too old for it but a lot of people do he has like millions of followers on twitch people like aiden ross who like again some people on like tiktok or whatever so people with millions of following like they their blockchain wallet showed that they purchased those tokens or rather were given those tokens at those pre-sale prices of order and then they just dumped it the name of the of that token was called save the token they were gonna give it to kids but everybody cashed out just like that Kim Kardashian was found like shilling some cryptocurrency. All of these guys are like doing it. So when you see all of these things happening, how, how difficult is it for the normal person to believe that every crypto is now a scam? Imagine when there is a case of a domestic violence, every man becomes a dog. Or if it's a case where a woman acted not in the best manner, all women are like X's or Y's or whatnot. Now think about money where everybody's involved. It's more you know, of a public perception thing. You know what, one of the interesting things, and I'll be really excited to see how this plays out in the coming years. I mean, we're seeing 
actual celebrities who have built an actual brand over time um, that are getting into crypto now. And they're they're exploring, they're playing around. They don't know a lot yet, but they're they're experimenting and they're figuring it out. Like for example, I saw, you know, I've been seeing a few Busta Rhymes uh, tweets lately about Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I saw yesterday, now he's doing some live show and they're dropping NFTs. No, I'm not promoting Busta yeah. Rhymes, but, but I do think it's cool that he's in crypto. I like it. Are like you a Busta music. Rhymes social token holder, John? You have to disclose. No, but I did go to a Busta Rhymes concert a long time ago. He, <laughs> he was playing with uh, Lauren Hill back in the day. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, but it's cool that these people are getting in. Um, I saw Post Malone did something with another project a while ago with an it was something to do with NFTs and it was like access to a show or something like that. But it's like, these are actual individuals who built an actual brand and they're exploring a different opportunity to, to not only make money, but a new business model. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm curious, it seems just like, it's like we've got all these people that have been in crypto for a while that are like, you can almost categorize them, Bitcoin maximalists, then there's Ethereum maximalist that loves to say that the Ethereum is going to overtake Bitcoin on a daily basis. There's this war battle back and forth. There's Bitcoiners that say everything else is shit. Um, yeah. There's a lot of fights on Twitter. We see it all day long. We see it in our own right. posts. Um, there's the the meme tokens where if we even post about it, happened again yesterday. It was fun. Uh, we'll post about a meme token just because there's something going on with an insight that we just see, an unbiased insight. Hey, that's that. this is going off today. Wow. You get... 800 comments back with memes and and links and like tagging you know cz and elon musk in every post and like it's like it's crazy mm-hmm. um so we've got these buckets that have been created but i see these celebrities get coming in with actual brands and they got a lot at risk they got a lot to lose if you're a, if you're a celebrity who's built a brand um and this goes wrong for you um you know you do an nft that no one wants or you scam people um so we get to past this point of like oh it's all a scam it doesn't work and none of these celebrities i can tell you they're not dropping an nft using bitcoin they're just not i mean it's very very few and there's very few ways to even do that so it's early days for that so it's it's just an interesting thing um i don't know i'm, I'm curious what your thoughts thoughts are in the community itself and how it breaks down and how you think it's going to evolve like I was reading this Hakan on story about this NFT called Stoner Cats. There is a story about hash masks, which is by people who are like building masks and selling them as NFTs, just on Ethereum. Right? Both of these cases just on Ethereum. But when I look at the other celebrities, like I see them like coming up with different names, not primarily Ethereum. Like obviously something else, and I'm pretty sure that somebody somewhere got paid. That could just be the cynic in me, or it could be that these guys are actually exploring what is the next like moonshot for these guys because they have a lot of money lying around. Maybe I don't understand how like big that pile of money is that they have, but everybody is pretty much jumping into crypto or rather NFTs these days, like name a star and you will see that they have like somebody on the other in nfts 20 year old youtubers like holding bags of nfts i don't know how that works out but that's what they have and based on like some of these forensic analyses that some people did i what i am hearing at least is that they tend to dump it as soon as it is as it is listed 
it's as if these influencers are just playing an acting role their role is that of an ambassador up until the point of listing a lot of things go back and forth or rather they happen behind closed doors or what not is again like just hearsay i would not put any value behind it but it's not very hard to fathom how that happens so when that happens like the role of the influencers probably could have been around influencing people to understand about cryptocurrency the the country where i live crypto is not legal but it's not it's it's not illegal either and i see all of these cryptocurrency exchanges one of them is owned by binance so they hire all of these actors and actresses and they go on their instagram reels or lives or whatever is it that these kids use and they say stuff like hey so i found this new opportunity called bitcoin opportunity called bitcoin and would you like to buy it to do that download this app and use that and pay your money and get that is there a financial disclosure no is there a caveat emptor no if these are just followers who will do what their celebrity says like these celebrities are basically passing on their risks in my opinion to their own audience they are like their audience is already monetized that's true nobody has a problem with that but when you start to pass on your risk to your audience is like i guess where a line should have been drawn but at this point of time nobody cares it's a great, it's a great point yeah. yeah really 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 i it, it it's interesting too and this is actually why one of the reasons why we created lunar crush in in a sense where exactly. and why and why we track influencers like we like it's one thing to hire someone and and you know say hey i'm x exchange i want to hire these influencers for the next month to promote x new product um and and it's another thing to see kind of this constant uptick over years this constant mm. like so for like for example if you looked at ethereum um and you looked at ethereum's number of individual social contributors every day um ethereum didn't launch an influencer campaign um right. it's 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 this ongoing evolution that you should look at over time it's not about the next candle it's about is this community growing over time versus like there's some coins that you have less and less people talking about it over time or you have a spike because their marketing team went crazy and had a million dollar budget right. um that's not that's not building value yeah so interesting it was easy. i would like to add over here that yeah I go really for it love, like, i really love Lu luna crush crypto like what you guys have done the dashboard is amazing like forget the amazing ui like i'm really i really enjoy the fact that there is so many like levels that i can move to really like research into a coin that i want to like research about earlier it was mostly about hey so do they have a good team is the tokenomics okay today everybody knows it's about this sentiment and if i want to get this sentiment i'm checking you guys out like great work on that guys really enjoy all right i'm going i'm putting my product hat on <laughs> what, what 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 would you like to see what would you like to see on on lunar crash coming up right so when i was looking at it today i basically could see the sentiment meter being over there which could tell whether it was bullish or not bullish maybe if there was some other like centi centimeter okay that's a nice word centimeter over centimeter. there <laughs> do you guys know what a centimeter is 
like the measure a centimeter are you not american if you know oh no yeah no (laughs) (laughs) america's ridiculous we still grew up with the rulers like it's all good we use imperial whatever don't worry about it we've also got miles per hour come on Good interest. So basically, what I was I was gonna get at was if there could be just right next to the green one, if there could be something that was maybe a red colored one, which could like capture the sentiment around what is the number of negative news that I get, the positive and negative, like you are weighing it anyway. Is there a sentiment analysis tracker for just a just a negative news? Like that's negative. Yeah, and you know, you know what's what I, I like that a lot actually, because what's what's also fun about that. I mean, one of one of the main ways we also look at news. I mean, we've we've gone in and classified hundreds and hundreds of news sites that are right. out there, and 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 tried to remove like spam sites, block explorers, all these other things that aren't news. Um, and what we do is we actually look for um, shared links in every social post that we collect, like any link in it, we follow it. And we can understand the sentiment, we can understand the post sentiment and the link mm-hmm. sentiment, what coins it's about, where it came from. Um, and so there, yeah, there could be a lot that we could do there, um, even mm-hmm. to, to be able to personalize that for you. Maybe you want your feed to be all negative stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that's versus your positive. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I true. Get it. I get it. <laughs> Like it is a great fun. signal. Ne- negative news is actually a fantastic signal. So is spam. Um, if you look at the number of spam posts for a coin, you have to ask yourself, why is there an increase in spam? But no, that doesn't automatically happen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a concerted effort to make more spam. So it's right. something interesting to look at. But I mean, look, you look at a lot of like news is created. Um, I mean, one of the examples that was in my head was uh, the one that I saw some, uh, and there was actually a lot of tweets about it too, was there's a project called Paid Network. And Paid Network was covered by the major crypto outlets when it was hacked. And and then it soared because it turns out it was, they fixed it. Then it mm-hmm. soared. And so to get that news, um, we just saw again, same thing with ThorChain, right? You might think this guy is falling on ThorChain. It's been soaring the last like week and a half. It has been so, raising, yeah. Right. So that's, that's a good one. I like that. It's cool. I think we've got the data. We just got to visualize it. Yeah. Um, you you said something super interesting, um, while you were talking, which is like the most crypto thing ever earlier where you said, you know, you go, well, crypto is not legal in my country, but it's also not illegal. And then you just kind of like passed through it, but it was like, that's such an interesting, it's like just crypto in a nutshell, right? It's like, it's not it's not legal, but it's definitely not illegal. It's like just right. it's the, the most ambiguous and gray. But I do want to ask kind of a fun question um, about Hacker Noon and and like some of the things that you've seen. Has there ever been a time where there was a story that got published or that was just like wrong and like you knew it was wrong or like something was bad about it or you got like a ton of backlash or something? Like what? Like how does that happen? Like tell us about like a moment when that happened. Right. So. A story like the Hackanon editors getting it wrong is very hard because, like, as I said, we are a very small team. Almost everybody, like, is very passionate about Hackanon. So let's say that somebody publishes a story and the other editor, like, finds out something. Like, that is the point when we fix the story. Like, just out of the gate, it might not have led to a case where... Uh, we might have gotten a ton of backlash over things like, yes, there have been faux pas here and there, definitely. But 
if my definition of a ton of backlash is 10 or more replies or retweets on that, like, no. What we have had is bugs as a software development company. You guys know about it as well as like yep. media. So when we like stop using medium as our uh, CMS, we practically built our own, right? So when we like built our own, our integration with uh, GitHub wasn't the best. So what was happening was every time there was a GitHub gist embedded in the story, uh, instead of the piece of code, that person's profile picture would show up. Hmm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so the most backlash that we ever got, and I'm being very honest and candid about that, no like marketing or sales pitch over here, is that when we, like that was the most amount of backlash that we got. And it wasn't even directed at us. It was at the person who wrote the story. So we would go on to Twitter and see somebody saying, hey, so I was reading X's story. And instead of pieces of code, it was just his face. Like, they were like, what the fuck, man? I mean, don't you want to share your code or whatnot? And then we had to step in and apologize on their behalf because they were taking the heat on our behalf. So, like, that has been, like, our most, let's say, embarrassing moment ever. I like it. Like, no, I appreciate it. able to fix that. So, yeah. Yeah, no, everyone's, everyone has bugs and, and builds. You know, it's all about <laughs> fixing it. So, appreciate yeah. that. And then... Um, so our, our friend Nicholas introduced us and, and put this together. Thank you, Nicholas, if you're listening. Um, and he's a, you know, he's, he's posting stories on Hacker Noon and you guys are editing it. And you said he even won some contests. How do people get started and how do they start posting stories? How do they get stories approved? Like what's like your advice to someone that's like, I want to start posting stories on Hacker Noon. So first step, do not reply to emails, which reach out to you saying, hey, for $1,500, we'll get you published on Hackernoon, right? Visit hackernoon.com. On the top right is a button that says start writing. Click on start writing if you want to start writing. Then again, after you have set up your account, there's a button on the top right which says start new draft. Click on that start new draft button. And then when you are done, like write your story, it is now we have what is called a markdown editor. Developers love it. I'm more on the VCVIC side of things, but who can argue with developers? So now use the editor, add your story. Once you are done, click the submit story for review button. Once you do that, within two to three days, a Hackanoon editor will pick up your story, review it, make it more readable, because some people like to, just an example, some people like to write in really long paragraphs, but the internet is designed in a way where we skim things and it needs to be shorter paragraphs. So they would fix things, things like that, fix, fix the grammar, fix the readability, fix the headline. If there needs to be more formatting, they do that. Maybe add some backlinks if they are needed. And that's pretty much it. Like your story is live on Hackanoon without any bias or malice. There is no system where let's say if a story is about a particular category or if it's by a particular person, then only will the story rank on the first page. Gotcha. Every story has an equal chance and there is no money on earth that can buy the spot on the top of the hacker. And is there some sort of rev share or kind of, uh, you know, reciprocity for someone that's posting and gets a lot of clicks or gets a lot of attention? Like how does that work? 
so we have like consciously taken the uh, decision to not go after those clicks or those impressions because these can be game we have all seen those stories with a million claps right so what we have is a partnership with this company called coil built by like interledger these are the guys who were behind the ripple blockchain so there is a mechanism by which if it is a coil subscriber like these people can get payment stream to them if they add their own payment pointer into it we are also like trying to uh, find ways we have these meetings every week to how to better monetize the hackathon hackathon author where about 18 to 25000 of them exist like regular the problem that we face is what is the quantum of money that you give a person for their writing for some of the stories that you read on hackathon easily worth more than like 3 to 5000 dollars and i say that as a writer myself like such amazing analyses amazing introductions amazing summaries or what not so how do you tell that person that a story is worth let's say just 50 dollars because the community does not seem to understand it is vitalik blogs is like vitalik's blog monetized no it has this license called a wtfpn which basically not basically actually just says do whatever the fuck you want to do with that story so he says distribute it but nobody or at least not the wider audience is reading it so do we want the people to get into the race of clicks or what not which is where all of those clickbaits lie or do we consciously say hey man you are never going to get paid for your story and that's the end of it then why should they choose to publish a hackathon just because of an awesome distribution channel like that i don't think cuts it so we have these conversations almost on a weekly basis as to how we can better monetize the authors or rather okay i use the word wrong i don't want to say i want to monetize the writers but what i want to say is how can we find a way by which the people writing on hackathon can monetize the content that they have we have had some conversations and again like sharing that very candidly is uh, we have looked at ways by which whether a story could become an nft of sorts where there could be some revenue that goes over there so yeah hopefully like we will have an answer for that very soon but uh, that's a very candid like thing from our side is that we haven't been able to find that right fit where we are not monetizing content mill type of a content creation and we are not trying to discourage people from writing awesome stories because if a person writing awesome stories sees hey but the story getting clicks is let's say kim kardashian's five different like dress rolls about not they would not write the story about short chains and we have also yeah. what happened to pcn right it used to be one of the paragons back in the day have you guys checked that out i i i've not i think you got john's uh, gears grinding thinking about how to monetize these writers is what i think he's about to say oh no i could think of lots of ways but i congratulate you guys for just thinking about new models i mean it's also another interesting fact that almost all almost all of the of the current existing media outlets across the whole world are dependent on advertising and mm -hmm. and like you know it, it's interesting like that that impacts everything the quality of content the bias the things they don't say 
Um, you know, so I, I think it's just really, and this is maybe the most interesting time in history in the media right. space when you look at it from a business model perspective and you start to layer in NFTs, access, tokens, all these different things, um, you know, keep, keep it going, keep thinking, keep thinking, please. Most definitely. And at this end, like I would like to add that maybe like you guys have a solution for that is that, okay, it's always gonna be noisy. Let's make a sentiment tracker for these things, right? Let's see like who has a better sentiment and we could track that. There are so many like moving parts that you guys have built into a system. And hopefully like that is the way forward because long form content in the way that we see everywhere is probably like what you would say preferred by a very niche audience these days. And everybody wants the, uh, what do I say? that kind of a news right away. Like, give me the bullet points right now. Give me the summary right now. So yeah, hopefully like somewhere there will be a balance. Yeah, and, and it's something that we think about all the time and, and some of the stuff that we see in it, like we were talking about at the beginning with headlines with, you know, how do you tell whether or not a story is impactful, right? How did what you posted out to the world, you know, was it, was it impactful in a way? Did it get the right type of engagement? Did it get picked up by some, kind of bot farm somewhere like how did you know did was there any engagement back with you and did you spur some sort of other story and so it, it like looking at the the market and looking at the way that people are talking in real time is it's kind of the only way to do that and so looking at the crypto market which is just everything it's just global it's 24 7 people are online talking they're talking all over the place and there's tons of corners of the internet that we can't get to and we won't cover but is it impactful if it's not seen by a broader audience? But I think that, and maybe we'll have to talk offline a little bit, but there's definitely ways, you know, and it's like, you've got my gears turning a little bit with, with, cause I mean, John, even before we started Lunar Crush, I mean, I remember back in 2015 or I don't even know when it was. And we just thought about, I remember you saying this, I think we were on like the pier in Huntington beach or something. And you were saying, imagine while you're scrolling, like you're getting charged like micro sense, right? And like, or like, as you're watching a Netflix show, you're just getting charged micro sense for like the just what you're watching. But it's like, mm. think about how that's not possible today. It's like, what are you guys gonna charge someone, you know, four cents, and then $84 in gas fees, every time they mm. scroll, right? Or so there's some things that just we're not there yet. But I think the entire market is working towards getting there to mm. where and, and think about all these artists and all these other people that they wouldn't have to get these crazy ad things and push out products that maybe they didn't like when they can just monetize across it. it it's the, the adage, the old one of like, well, if everyone in the world gave me a, a dollar, I'd be a billionaire. Exactly. Well, if everyone in the world gave you 0.0000001, you might still be a multimillionaire, right? And so it's right. giving a voice back to these artists, which is interesting. And like you guys, like you're saying, thinking every week and meeting on it because you're on the cusp of something big there. It, it is. Look, I mean, I want to add one more point to what you just said, and that's the the quality of the content. I'm sorry, but like writing uh, an article this long about the fact that Elon Musk just tweeted a dog um, just so you can sell ads for Nescafe on your Web page mm. is not good content. It is not news. And and I'll tell you what's insane is like. There has been times when we track all these new sites and there are times we can tell you like who is which let's say Elon tweets and 37 news outlets cover 
the fact that Elon just tweeted. Like for starters, why do, why don't I just need to go to Twitter for that? Like what mm -hmm. really? I need your POV on Elon's tweet? I don't. And so, but but like, <laughs> but like, then we track like which one got the most clicks out of the thirty-seven. This one was the most shared, right? And mm. and then it's like you look into it, and it's like, oh wow, that was uh, for example, that was a, a tweet Oops, sorry, that was from a crypto news site that got distributed to another site onto Yahoo Finance, distributed again, and it's the same Elon tweet pushed in all these places again, also that they can sell banner ads. And so exactly. I don't get it. And this it, is also where we also like digress a bit, right? So as like you have used the word impactful, right? The word which I used was adds value to the readers. So when I see like a story on my submissions plate about Elon's tweet on Dogecoin or baby floaty or whatever, for me as an editor and a fanatic blockchain fan, like, does it add value to me? And my simple rule is, did I learn something new after spending my 15 minutes on this story? If the answer is no, the story is 99% gonna get rejected. It's as simple as that. I think of myself as the lowest common denominator of thoughts, which like sees whether it adds value to me. If it doesn't add value to me, how will, add, how will it add value? to the wider audience that is like still looking for more content at a place like that. And there is the flip side of that as well. If I let content such as Elon's tweet on Dogecoin on Hackeroon, what will it, what message will it sell the more serious, more serious like writers? Should he also start writing about Elon's tweet? Or should he continue to like write about that? So I want to focus on that guy who is going to write serious content pieces. That's about it. I love right. it. Yeah. And it, even if you look at CNBC or you look at, I mean, even during like, there was a lot of political stuff going on here. Like if you didn't know in the U S in 2020, um, but Everyone it was, knows. It, it was just, yeah, I know being a little facetious there, but it, it's like, they were just taking a tweet and posting it. And then they would just talk about it or they'd bring in a subject matter expert and they would talk mm. about the tweet. And it was just like, this is news. The tweets <laughs> like three hours old. So the news already happened and you're just now taking that distribution that you've, that you have because you've been around for longer and pushing it out there. But if mm. that audience and that subset of the people, like we're, we talked about at the beginning, the older generation was just listening to these other mediums, they would have already seen it and hopefully exactly. got, the story from the person that, you know, made the commentary early on. And so it's, you can just see the, the shift changing in this world. And I like how distributed you guys are with the writers. Cause like John was saying, we see some writer somewhere will grab a tweet, post the tweet up, make like one paragraph. And then that gets a headline on one of the larger publications. And it's like, right. that's just not a story, right? Like that's just right. not a story. And, but so, the story anyway, is six banner ads on the page. Right, six banner exactly. ads. That's, that's your story. And subscribe. Um, Don't forget to pay them $10 a month for their premium service. <laughs> <laughs> I so hate these companies, which are like, pay me $10 to learn. Like, I was in college when I started to learn. I didn't have $10. I'm in India, right? How do I learn? Of course, I'm going to like find a way to go to incognito mode and get <laughs> Exactly. 
but you understand where I'm coming from, right? So all of these paywalls, these gatekeepers, and then their advertisement money. So they're like, they never have the interest of the reader at mind. I had a friend in the newspaper agency who were actually printing newspapers, and he told me was that when the newspapers on those like things that they use to print those newspapers, the first things to get printed are the ads. Then on whatever space is left is where the news goes. <laughs> it's such a great lesson. What's it called? A newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's, it, it's not actually like their fault. It's like, that was the way in which you had to keep the business moving. Right. And like, you know, we, like the more we kind of talk about this space and the more we get into it, you start to realize that it's the business model needs to change first. Right. And then all of these other things follow it. Right. Like we talk about identity a lot, you know, and like doxing yourself in crypto. It's like, well, you know, people, they, they don't want to give their identity, but they have to, because if I'm signing up for a service, I have to give, first I have to give my credit card number. So I'm basically like giving my private key to someone, exactly. right? Then I have to put my full name. I have to put my address in there. And <laughs> I don't know what system that's going into. And right, that's why it's like, I think a lot of people end up loving to buy off places like Amazon because they've already been doxxed there. And so they're like, I'm just gonna buy it there because I don't wanna have to put in all my information to another system. And so, but the business model needs to change. Right. If there's different ways for these companies to make money, then there's different ways that, you know, the, the people will have to interact with it. So we're getting there. Um, we're coming up on time here, man. I want, I have one more, two more questions or one more main one. Um, so we had, and this is like, you have to give us a prediction. So we had the China FUD in the space. Then we had, it looks like we have like some like regulation FUD, which is always there. Um, but like come December, 2021, what, what's like the headline? the non-clickbaity headline that's happening in the crypto space in December of 2021. 2021, like first I'd like to comment on the China what and the regulation part. <laughs> there was this very wonderful like t uh, telegram forward that I got. So it was this message which says, a message from the government, we will ban your crypto just as we banned prostitution, drugs and whatnot. <laughs> so I was like, yes, that's what I like. Now, coming to the headline part of the thing, right? So if it's gonna be crypto related, it's probably gonna be somewhere around about uh, Ethereum's like impact on hard forks like coming into the actual play. It's gonna like come out really soon, but the impact of that cause of its decentralized nature is probably gonna be felt by the end of the year. In 2017, when we first heard about, um, when the, Bitcoin actually started falling, like 2018 New Year. Everyone thought it was because of the Chinese New Year or whatnot. But I guess when this, when this New Year like comes about, it probably, like in my personal opinion, would be around the Bitcoin crisis, like back to where it like should have been, closer to the 100,000. Those laser eyes were not in vain. I'm pretty sure that they are going to be back and back in full force. Ethereum is like definitely gonna be somewhere closer to the 10,000s, if not like higher, but that is like my prediction for the end of the year. Wow. This I love this question, Joe. This is a great question. We should always ask this question. You know, and I, I say that because it makes you think about, if you think out six months, you have to be looking at things being built now. 
Right. And so for it to be a headline, then there's some element of like, you could look back on it and go, oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's because of, well, the Ethereum hard fork or like, so that's a good question. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like where you couldn't even really assess DeFi summer until like DeFi was over. You know, it's exactly. like you kind of knew you were in it, but like everyone's just like, what's the next thing? Everyone's going so crazy that there's no story yet. It's just like, holy shit, all this stuff is happening versus like, yeah. like breaking it down. So I like that. Um, all right, man. Well, what, where, like, obviously, where can people find you? Where, where do people go? Uh, what would you like to leave us with today? Definitely. So we'd like to like let people know that uh, if you have a, a tech story to like submit it to Hacker Noon, if there is like some way or like some prompt or some feedback that you would want from us, our team is very accessible. We try to reply to pretty much every message on Twitter, Telegram, Instagram or whatnot. I don't like Instagram, but the rest of the team does. So yes, there will be somebody over there replying to your questions or whatnot. And definitely like looking forward to seeing you guys on the internet. Cool. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Um, congrats with all the success. Let us know any way we can help. We'll chat with you backstage. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This will uh, be on YouTube probably tomorrow. It's live right now, but it does take a day. Um, and then we'll pop it into all of our podcasts and everything in the audio format here in the next week or so. Thank you all. And John, as always, man, this is great.